0: Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. This is where Peter makes this wonderful profession of faith. Do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, some some say you're Elijah or John the Baptist come back from the dead or one of the prophets, or Jeremiah. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord commends him and said, it was the Holy Spirit of God that showed you this and revealed this to you. He goes from a mountaintop, Peter does, to a valley... Within about a few seconds, okay, because it says after that, from that time forth, verse 21, Matthew 16:21, from that time forth, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. It's not a mystery. Jesus told them what was going to happen to them. He told His disciples, and this was one of about at least three occasions where the Lord spoke very clearly about His crucifixion in Jerusalem. Then Peter took Him and began to <clears throat> rebuke Him. Just picture that scene. Picture Peter, the apostle, the fisherman, taking the Lord Jesus and rebuking Him and saying, Be it far from Thee, Lord, this shall not be unto Thee. But he turned and said unto him, so the Lord turns unto Peter and speaks unto him directly. And he says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And he rebuked him for this. Because at that very moment, this wasn't a picture of Peter's whole life. He's a sinner. Amen. He needed a Savior, and he did trust in Christ as his Savior. Peter's in heaven. We're going to see him there. okay? But at this moment, even though he walked with God, knew God, just professed Him as the Son of God and the Savior that should come into the world, he missed it on that point. We have to be careful. We have to be careful and watch ourselves that we stay in the the will of God, in the, the knowledge of God, and in the Word of God and being led by the Holy Spirit of God You might have a mountaintop experience spiritually, and then if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus and we look at ourselves and say, wow, that was pretty incredible how God just used me. In the last few weeks, God's really been using me. This is amazing. He may be really using you. Keep your eyes on Jesus, okay? Because it didn't take him long to miss the Lord, and the Lord rebuked him, but he specifically says you don't savor the things that be of God. You don't savor them. You're not desiring or craving or longing for the things that be of God. And that statement, that you're desiring the things that be of men. What men wanted was, in the Jews, if they had even confessed Jesus as being Lord, which most did not, but those that even did, they wanted to take and make Him king right there. Be king of our people. Throw off the oppression of the Romans and let us establish our nation again. It was an earthly thing that they were interested in. We want our positions of power and prominence. We want our nation back and so forth. And at this time, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And He says, you're not savoring the things that be of God. I've got to go to the cross, Peter. I came to save. I came to die. I came to be that Lamb of God that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 53. It was taken from judgment and, and, uh, and so forth. And the Bible says... In the, we're taught in the Word of God, and this is what this message is about today. As God's people, we are to love what He loves and hate what He hates. We saw it with Jehoshaphat. We see it with the Lord rebuking Peter. It may not be what is most comfortable to us or makes the most sense to us all the time. I might have been worse than Peter. I can't say that I've done any better than Peter Okay, in that circumstance. I'm always saying God is teaching us in His Word that we are to identify ourselves with Christ. and identifying ourselves with Christ as born-again believers, we are to love what He loves and hate what He hates. We don't like to talk about that hate part a lot, but there are things that God hates, and we're going to talk about that more as we go. Now, we cannot change our own hearts, but the Lord can. I'm talking about hearts' desires. okay, Our longings and so forth. And there's a wonderful Scripture, we all know it, where the Lord says, "...delight thyself also in the Lord." and He will give thee the desires of thine heart. We've talked about that Scripture a lot. To me, that's twofold. That's answered in two ways. In the sense that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, first of all, that's what we're to do. It's like Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's my responsibility. Delight yourself in the Lord. As I delight myself in the Lord and make Him my delight. Lord, You're everything to me. You're, you're what I and who I delight in. Okay? The two things are going to happen. God is going to... Change our hearts and give us pure, holy desires. He'll begin to do that. It doesn't happen all at once, but the Lord begins to work in our hearts to purify our longings, to purify our desires and our affections and what we love and don't love. And then He will fulfill those. It says, Give thee the desires of that heart. I believe He'll give us right desires and then He will fulfill those desires as we're walking and living and desiring right things. Does that make sense? Lord, I want to know You more. Help me to know You more. Is that a good desire? Yes. Will the Lord fulfill that desire? Yes. He'll do that. See, So if He purifies the desires in a man's heart that he's saved, and then He'll fulfill those. And I would say the Lord, and only the Lord can do that. You and I cannot change our own hearts. It's impossible. You cannot do it. And it's it's to me, it's one of... I can't think of a bigger miracle Just knowing myself and knowing my own heart, okay? And knowing men. For a man's heart to be changed, it has to be the Lord. It'd be easier to change a country. It'd be easier to raise up an army and attack a small country and take over it than it would be for one man's heart to literally be changed to where the things he used to love, he doesn't love anymore. The things he used to hate, he now (coughs) loves the things of God and so forth. You can't do that. You can't do that in your own heart, much less somebody else's. We cannot do it. It's one of the most profound miracles that can ever be performed and it's by the Lord Himself. It's an amazing thing and it's a wonderful promise that He will give us the desires of our heart. It's a work of God in the life of a believer. It's a work of God in the life of somebody He's redeemed. I remember when I was doing that series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I talked about Willie Burton, the missionary in the early... 1800s, all the way up through about 19. I can't remember seven early 70s. He ministered for like 65 years in the Congo. He literally went places that no uh, person had been, other than the native tribes that lived there. And he was an amazing man, a love God, a spirit-filled Christian. But he talked about this: uh, the <coughs> tribes they would go into, cannibal tribes, where they would bring the gospel. Rival tribes that killed each other that were. All lifetime rivals and hated each other. And he brought the gospel, and this tribe got saved. And there's another uh, tribe close by, and many of those people and the chief got saved. And then he brought the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this chief of this tribe received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This chief of this tribe who had prayed, uh, who was saved, he prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and didn't receive it. So he got real frustrated, and he got real carnal, and said, It must not be true. So he started mocking it and all that. Since he didn't receive it, he began to ridicule the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these two, even though they were saved, they didn't get along. These tribes is still human human. Okay, they didn't get along, and they didn't intermingle with each other, and so forth. They hated each other, and it wasn't of God. But well, God had a plan. And this tribe, who had received the this chief, who had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, by night. When secretly he had been praying and God showed him, I want you to go talk to this chief. Just you and him. And he went and talked to him. And he began to pray for him and apologized for, you know, just the the division and so forth. And as he did that, this chief received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they started having a Holy Ghost prayer meeting, the two of them, so loud that people came out of their huts to see what was going on in the middle of the night. And a big revival broke out. And, and the point was that the heart was changed. Now they've they loved each other. The Lord did that. And only God can do that. It's a miracle of the Lord. I want to read this quote. It's in the Foundations book, but I just want to read it. Where Ari Um he said, "Once this is a wonderful man of God a Moody's contemporary, once I loved worldly ways. And hated the things of Christianity. That's what he did. He's being honest. This is BC days, before Christ. Once I loved worldly ways and hated the things of Christianity. But today I hate the dance and the card table and the theater and the horse race. And I love the gathering together of God's people and the services of God's house on the Lord's day. He's talking about loving and hating. He did not talk about just I started going to church and quit going to the horse races and gambling. Anybody can do that. A certain amount of discipline, we can change a lot of things. But he's not talking about how I stopped going to the gambling tables and started going to church. That was a byproduct of a change of his heart when he came to know Christ. The Lord can change the heart. He changes our affections. He changes what we love and He changes what we hate. And only the Lord can do that. When When the Lord comes to the life of a believer, He can do that. A man can change a lot of things, okay? Uh, when we come to Christ, it's not just an outward change. It's not just behavior modification. I've ministered in the prisons a lot. Some, some have you as well for many years. And the big thing for the prisons is rehabilitation. I'm not being critical of it, but what they really need is Jesus. Just like the whole lost world needs to rehabilitate somebody to where their heart's change. Where they don't want to commit rape again, so they don't want to commit armed robbery again or wire fraud or whatever they don't want to do it again the world the best they can do is like reeducate, brainwash like communism you know they can change people and modify things about them, change an outward appearance but the Lord makes a man new and he makes that heart new and in making the heart new. He changes the affections. And again, it doesn't always happen instantly. The new birth happens in a moment. okay, But there. sometimes it takes time for prejudices to be worked out and rooted out. Um, and the Lord will do that. I promise you He'll do it. If we'll keep our eyes upon Jesus, he can, he can take whatever needs to be fixed in our hearts and He begins to work patiently in our lives. I'm glad the Lord's patient. Amen? I'm glad the Lord's patient. And He works patiently and powerfully in us to cause us to love Him more, to love what's good, to love what's right, to love what's of God. And also He causes us to hate and turn away from and and, uh, uh, be disgusted with, really, the things that are not of God, the things that are sinful. As we walk with Him and abide with Him and continue in His Word, that's an increasing work that He does. Okay? We've talked about salvation and sanctification. Salvation is in a moment. We pass from death to life when we confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that He is the Savior and we repent and give our lives to Him. We're born again. In a moment. Okay? But the sanctification takes a while. And the changing of our heart takes a while. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn of me. It takes a while to develop our relationship and God works in us both the will and the will. And to do of His good pleasure, but for 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 me to now love or like like Tori, to love what I used to hate and hate what I used to love before I came to know Jesus, that's a miracle of God. And both of those are miracles of God—the loving part and the hating part. Believe it or not, are both a work of God, and they're also both clear evidence that we belong to Jesus. Not just that we joined a church; you can have the most rotten. You know, person in the world, just join a church, be an usher in the church, be a deacon in the church, be a Sunday school teacher in the church, and not be born again. Okay, but but it's an evidence—a changed heart and changed affections. To me, is one of the greatest evidences that I've really been born of the Spirit of God. More than the talk and and you know, uh, all about my church and the mission trips I go on and all that, the change of my heart and the desires. And my affections, and that being worked out in real life, that is a great proof, a great evidence that we belong to the Lord. A man can change a lot of things, as I said. I could change my outward appearance. A person could change their uh, the way they behave. You can change your behavior. You used to be really shy, and you say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the life of the party tonight." You know, I'm just gonna go and and I'm gonna try to be outgoing and and it could be forced, but somebody could do it, right? I mean, you can do things like this. You can uh, change your politics and just say, I'm going to decide to do this and change totally my politics. People can change a lot of things or suppress certain emotions to where they behave differently. But that's not a change of heart. Only the Lord can change the affection des- desires of a man's heart and make that heart Right. I'm not just talking about even changing it. I'm talking about changing it and making it holy. You know, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Where? In my heart. I want to be more holy in my heart and so forth. That's what the Lord touches and that's what He changes. I just want to read this Scripture. You don't have to turn there. You've heard it before from Jeremiah 13. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? It's a rhetorical question because neither can change it, Right? He says, the Lord's making a point here through the prophet to the people of Israel. He goes, All right, then, then may you also do good that are accustomed to do evil. You know what he's saying? Because that's the second half of that verse. Ethiopian, can they change their skin? No. Can a leopard change the spots? No. You can't change yourself either. You people are accustomed to doing evil. You can't just all of a sudden turn around and do good and be good. You have to turn to the Lord. <laughs> We need God's help. We need God's strength. We need God's working in our hearts and lives, is what he's saying. Uh, what's in a man's heart is going to come out. It's going to be manifest at some point. You might hide it very well from me. And in, on church, you know, church services on a Sunday, I may never see it. Or you may never see something that's in my heart. But at some point, eventually, what's in a man's heart will be manifest. The Bible says that. And and uh, I'll just read these Scriptures from from uh, Matthew seven seventeen and 18. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Another Scripture. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man... Out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. It's what's in the heart that's going to come out. It is going to, and so we need the Lord to change our hearts, you We need the Lord. We need to give attention to our hearts. We need to pay attention and see what's in there. The Bible says in Proverbs that uh, out of the out of the heart are the issues of life. Okay, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's it's that's really who you are. And where who you are, you know, it's where you are in reality, in your heart. And we need the Lord to touch us. I thank God that He can. God can change a man's heart, and He can make those desires pure and holy. And we need Him to, y'all. We need Him to work in our hearts. In Colossians chapter three, uh, Paul says, "If ye then be risen with Christ, that's a big if, because everybody's not. If you're saved, is what He's saying, truly saved." If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Okay? Set your affections. That word affection means your, to exercise the mind, to have a sentiment, to be disposed to, to be of, this, of one mind, to care for. So set your care, and set your heart, and set your mind upon things above. I have that commandment in the Word of God to to do that, to set my mind on the Lord. And I always think about David. I know we know the Scripture, but in in, uh, Psalm 16 where he says, I've set the Lord always before me because He's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. You know, at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. But he talks about setting the Lord always before him. And I believe this is what he's talking about. He set his affections on God. He knew God. When he didn't have anything, and Dave was a shepherd boy, nothing, poor shepherd boy, by himself on those hillsides at night watching a bunch of stinky sheep and playing his harp and he's thinking about God and he came to know God he developed a relationship with the Almighty God. What is man that thou art even mindful of him? When I consider the heavens and your handiwork and so forth, and he's worshiping God out there, and begins to magnify the Lord, he's coming to a relationship with God. So when he becomes king, all these years later, he's still a man after God's own heart though. The kingdom didn't change him in that sense. It's changed Saul. Saul was little in his own eyes. When he got the kingdom, he wanted the kingdom. He was humble before God and served God when he was little in his own eyes. But the kingdom became what he was all about and God had to take the kingdom from him. Okay? But David said, I've set the Lord always before me. He has a notable sin in his life, but if you look at David from start to finish, he's a man of God. He walked with the Lord. Just like all of us. You look at any particular point in our saved life, and you would see something that looked very unsaved and very unchristian. But if you look at our whole life from the day we gave it, gave it to Jesus, till now, you're going to see a pattern of Christ in walking with the Lord. I thank God for that. Amen? But... The point is, he set the Lord before him. He could have got up as king, especially when he was king, and he had a lot to choose from. I could set this before me today. My power, my wealth, my whatever. My control over people. I can have whatever I want kind of thing. My ease, my luxury, my comfort. Uh, Get a bunch of people around me to praise me all the time. He could have said anything he wanted to before him as king. But he didn't. He set the Lord before him. And that has to do with his heart. And God called him a man after His own heart. Now, when the Lord uh, begins to work in the life of His His people and to change our hearts, we're not just sitting on the sideline <coughs> and say, "Well, God's got to do it." Like anything of God, y'all, well, He does have to do it. But He requires things of us. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: He requires things of us. Honestly, if God, if I'm saying. Lord, my prayer life is anemic. It's pitiful. You've convicted me about it. You've shown me. I'm not praying the way I should. I realize it. I acknowledge it. God, forgive me. Help me. That's what we should do, right? Help me, God, to pray. I need help. I'm always falling back into my carnal pattern. And I'm having a hard time developing a prayer life. Help me, God. Let me ask this. Will He help you? Yes. Will He, will he also require something of you? Yes. See, He's going to do both. I mean, It's both. He's going to do the work, but He's going to require me to go close the door and to turn the TV off and put the newspaper, whatever I'm looking at, on my iPhone away and just get alone with Him. That's how He's going to meet me. That's how we go meet the Lord in prayer. Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, you go into your prayer closet and shut the door. And your Father who sees in secret is going to reward you openly. The Lord's going to do the rewarding. The Lord's going to do the blessing. The God's going to do the change of heart and grow me in my prayer life. He'll do all that. But He's going to require me to step out in obedience to Him in order for that to take place. And so we're not simply standing idly by. If if I have a new life in Christ, then life is to be what? Life is to be lived. I have to live it out. I have to walk it out. I have to walk it out in obedience to God and to His Word. Uh, and the Bible says that we should walk in newness of life as Christ was raised from the dead in newness of life. So there's a walk. And as I walk with God and I I walk in His will and I abide in Christ, He is going to begin to affect my heart. The longer you spend time with a friend, you'll get to know the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, of them, but you're going to come to love them more and come to know them more. The longer you spend with your spouse, you're going to come to lo- love them more and know them more and so forth. It takes time, but God's doing it, okay, in our hearts to change our desires to make them increasingly more holy. We need our hearts to be holy, okay? And the Scripture is filled with things that God loves and things with God hate that hate, He hates. And I just want to quickly um, read some. And if you're interested in any of these, At the end, I can make you a copy, but I'm going to read them real quickly just for time's sake. Uh, I heard one time that from a message, uh, a Christian sermon, that the Lord is attracted to our sin. And I did not, it didn't sit right with me. I went and studied and researched it. That's not true. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see that God is attracted to our sin. I see that He loves sinful people. So I started saying, well, I want some Scriptures. And I started looking these up. We're talking about loving what love God loves and hating what He hates, okay? For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. I'm just going to read Scripture after Scripture. That's from Psalm. This is Proverbs 6. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination. <coughs> abomination means to abhor, to utterly detest. Okay? This is God, what He hates and what He loves. He hates a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations. That would be our sin, right? He's not attracted to that. He loves the sinner, and He loves the sinner enough to rescue us from our sin if we'll put our trust in Him he never loves the sin, okay? A heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. Here's Habakkuk 1.13. Speaking of the Lord, Thou art of, pure, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and cannot look on iniquity. Okay? So, he, he, he hates the sinful things. Here's what Jesus says to the churches in the book of Revelation, specifically to the church at Pergamos. So hast thou them that hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. There are things that God hates. Okay, I hate the false doctrine. It's ain't going on in your church. And uh, Deuteronomy. now I wanna. I could have kept going with a bunch more. That's just some scriptures about. God hating sin, loving the (coughs) righteous. His countenance does behold the upright. Now I'm going to shift it from the Lord to His people. How are His people to be? Well, we're to be like God, right? Mm -hmm. Christ-like. Alright, here's Deuteronomy 7. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it. Whether it's an idol or some abominable thing, He's telling them, I want you to utterly detest it, and it shall it and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. That's why we should hate it, because God's cursed it. He hates it, whether it's idols, whatever he was talking about. I'll give me another, uh, he deviseth mischief, mischief upon his upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. David is rebuking this whoever this sinful man is, or these men are. Because they don't abhor evil. They don't abhor evil like they should. Here's another one. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Just a couple more real quickly. Amos chapter 5, verse 15. Hate the evil and love the good, and establish judgment in the gate. Romans 12.9 Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. And one more in this list. Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. So I see this in the Bible. Okay? That God hates what He hates. He, he hates it like with a perfect hatred. He's not and he's not sort of black and white, you know, in a gray area about it. And then he loves what he loves. He loves you. He loves this lost world out here. He loved us when we didn't love him and we were in the pits of sin. He loved us. But he didn't love the sin. He hates it. And he wants to bring men out of it. And so I want for myself and I want for you, and more importantly, God wants for us as his people to identify with Him in that way. And the only way that I can love what He loves and hate what He hates is for God to work that in my life as I walk with Him. You first have to be born again. This isn't something you try to do. This is something God works in our lives. But I want to say this. What a joy to not only do what's right, but to love what's right. That's a real freedom. I think when we talk about quote religious people, That are bound up in religion, so to speak. To me, that would be the one thing that I think of somebody that's trying. They're not born again. So, on their own, without God, they're trying to live the Christian life, for example. You cannot. You cannot. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Okay? If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of His. We don't even belong to the Lord. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. I could go on and on. But, to, but once we're saved, for God to work in our lives to where I don't only obey the Lord, which we absolutely must obey the Lord, but that I love to obey Him. Psalm 40, verse 9, a Messianic psalm about Jesus. I delight to do Thy will, O my God. Yea, the law is within my heart. I delight to do Thy will, O my God. Don't you want to be there? Don't you want to, and I believe we are there, but we're getting more there. We're being progressed in that, in that way. Jesus said, our prayer is to be thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So I don't only want his will. I mean, not only pray for his will, but I want to really desire it. Lord, bring your kingdom. Lord, establish judgment on the earth. First, he's got to rapture us out of here. I understand that. But not only submitting to the will of God, but loving the will of God. Not only doing what's right, but rejoicing in what's right. Even if it's costly to us, you know what I'm saying? We did the right thing, and God blessed us for it. And maybe we're persecuted for it, but doing what's right and then doing it what's right with the right heart. That to me, is real liberty, real freedom and real joy. God doesn't say, don't look at the pornography. We're told not to look at the pornography. But isn't it a victory to not want to look at it anymore? Or not want to lust? Or not want to covet what somebody else has? Or something like that? This is an evidence that Jesus Christ has set up Lordship in this heart. He's real. He has saved me. He is changing my heart and life. He has made me different. Nobody made me different. I didn't make me different. This isn't a New Year's resolution. This is a work of God in my heart, in my life. And when you begin to see it, it's exciting. Just like Ari Tori was saying in his own life. To identify with the Lord. To line up ourselves with the Lord. His will. His word. His character. His heart. Identifying ourselves with the Lord, right? Because I'm, we're of one mind with the Lord. I'm of one heart. If He hates it, I hate it. If He loves it, I love it. If He has a burden for this, I have a burden for that. That's where we want to be. Amen? I want to get there. I can't say that I'm all the way there. I can, I can say the Lord's bringing us there. The first step is salvation. And then God begins to work this and do this in our heart. The more we walk with Jesus, <clears throat> the more He's going to change our desires. Your desires will be changed to where somebody doesn't say, you know, Patricia, you've got to get up and go to church. I know she's tired. But you get up and come to church because she longs to be here. She wants to be with the Lord or with the people of God. And God does this work in our lives and I'm so thankful that He does it. Amen? It's a wonderful thing. We see the Lord changing the hearts. There's a song uh, Scott Cropane wrote that. Uh, we've sung it a few times in the past, but we, I listen to it all the time. And he says, uh, uh, What breaks your heart? What makes you cry? What would I see if I looked through your eyes? I want to grow closer and closer to you, till what breaks your heart will break mine too. And I like, I, I appreciate that because it's not anybody can run out and try to do what's right. There's some poor kids, let's go help them and give them some food, you know, or whatever. I'll help them get a, uh, learn how to read. Those are all wonderful things. But to for a heart to line up with God's heart, when He sees the Foxy's kids, what does He see? understand what I'm saying? To where our heart breaks. And it's not just a humanistic, oh, I feel sorry for them. I feel so rich compared to them. Well, sure we do. And there's people that feel rich compared to us. I mean, so what? Our heart would identify with the Lord's heart. They're going to die and go to hell if they don't know Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? And God can save them out of that. And so, um, for our hearts to line up with the Lord's heart. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. But then when he gets saved, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. That's a change, right? He's persecuting Christians and all that called upon the name of Jesus. He was zealous. He was eaten up with it. That was his goal in life. He was the man to persecute Christians. He comes to know this Christ. Guess what? He didn't join a new religion. God changed his heart. Brethren, my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. He died for the cause of Christ and was glad to do it because his heart lined up with the Lord's heart. And I'm going to close with this thought, kind of what we open with. How can a man claim to know God and to love him and yet not love what God loves? And how can a man claim to know God and love God and yet not hate what Christ hates? It's actually absurd. What the Lord calls worldliness, for example, or sin, or carnality, or He abhors it, or calls it a snare, and tells His people to avoid it. And yet I say, well, I'm okay with it, though. This TV show that God would say very clearly in His Word, "Set no evil thing before your eye," and this show's filled with evil things and cursing or whatever. And He says that, but I say I love God, but I'm not. I don't have a problem with this show. I'm talking about a show that is sinful. Okay. Uh, Something's not adding up there. It's absurd, right? My heart needs to line up with His heart and my desires need to line up with His desires. See, I don't really have a problem with that when God's called it out and judged it already. See, we're not a- identifying with the Lord. Clinton talked about when he fought in, uh, in the Pacific in World War II, and it was a horrible place, Guadalcanal, and, and it was horrible conditions that they fought in. And he talked, they're fight, fighting the Japanese over there. And he, was, he wasn't saved at the time, but he, 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 after he got saved, he recounted a lot of things in his sermons. He talked about, he says, if i if, if had been caught by my officers playing cards with the Japs at night, see, so we're hiding in our little foxhole and they're hiding in their little foxhole just right over there. If, he, if I'd have been caught playing cards with them and drinking a beer or having a good old time with them, he goes, I'd have been shot as a traitor. The Bible says, What know you not, you adulterers and adulteresses? that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whosoever shall be a friend with the world is the enemy of God. I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. I'm simply talking about, do we love what he loves and hate what he hates? Or are we lining up with him in that way? And uh, Clendenin, again, he said, I've been shy as a traitor. And we need our hearts to line up with the Lord's. He can do that. We need to take account of ourselves and really see where we are. Am I going to church? Because I'm a Christian now, that's what I'm supposed to do. Or am I going because I'm I'm expecting by faith to meet with God? And even though I'm sleepy, and who's not? And we have a million things to do around the house, and who doesn't? We love to be there. (coughs) That spiritual man is longing for it. And I want to be in the Word of God and with the people of God and so forth. God wants us to... To love being with him, I wouldn't want my boys to come just give me a Father's Day present and throw it in my lap. and Say, "See ya," you know. I, the present doesn't really mean much, but the fact that they would want to come and think about it and spend a little the, the time—you understand—that means something. I don't think the Lord's any different in that sense. You think we're He's pleased? Okay, I did my hour and a half at church. That ought to suffice, right, God? Or would He rather our hearts just be with Him all the time? Just loving us. He's died for us. Jesus died for us. He cares for us. He loves us. And so I'm going to close with what I opened with about should you love the ungodly? Even a godly man. Jehoshaphat was. I believe Jehoshaphat's going to be in heaven, All right, When we get there. But should you love the ungodly and help those that hate the Lord? We need, we need our hearts to be changed to where we love what He loves and hate what He hates. And I'm going to close with this scripture. So, William, you can whoever's doing the altar, William, you can come on up if you would. It says in, in Psalm 45:7. This is speaking about Jesus. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. You love righteousness and you hate wickedness equally on equal footing. Okay. You love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, because you love righteousness and hate wickedness, therefore God, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. In other words, the Lord uh, magnified his son Jesus and exalted him and gave him a name that's above every name. And that's speaking about the Lord. And we are to be Christ like in our character, Christ like in our nature. Christ-like in our, hate, in our, our uh, minds and affections. If the heart is right, y'all, the other will flow out of it. I'm all for preaching against sin and there's times we need to preach against sin and so forth. But honestly, and, and I will preach against sin, okay? But honestly, when the heart is lined up where it should be with the Lord, <coughs> then the behavioral things will just kind of fall in line. Nobody has to tell me to be kind to my wife. I'm kind to her because I love her. At times I'm not, it's sin. i got in my flesh. I ask God to forgive me. I ask her to forgive me. But nobody has to coach me in that and remind me every morning like I, I wake up and look in the mirror to brush my teeth. Be kind to Dee. Don't forget that today. You know what I'm saying? Because our heart is fixed upon the Lord. And over time, He's, he's changing our desires where we' identify with him. We're just they were called Christians in Antioch right? little Christ It's literally what that means that word means. they were little Christ because they were like Jesus. It came from their hearts. And so let's stand begin to worship the Lord. There's a song Jesus paid it all. And there's one line in that song where we're praying. The altars are open now. You find your place somehow. It's a place to meet with the Lord. Ask Him to touch your heart and change your heart. There's a line in that song, Jesus paid it all. Lord, now indeed I find Thy power and Thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Thy power and Thine alone. He says, I found that to be true. Whoever wrote that song. It can change the leper spots and can melt the heart of stone. And we need Him to do some heart melting in our our lives to melt our hearts. There's things that you're settling for that you're okay with that God's not okay with. And there's things that God is deeply in love with and, and loves that we're not. Or deeply burdened with in this world that we're not. And we need our hearts to be lined up with His hearts. He can do that. He's not just telling you do what's right, although we do what's right. He's telling us in our hearts, let me change your heart to make it what's right. And, and that we'll love what He loves and hate what He hates. So Father, we just come before You this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. You saved us. You have given us a new heart, God. For there are things in there that are still not... Right, there are things in our heart that are still not godly. There are things in our heart that are still not lined up perfectly with yours. We thank you for all you have done in our hearts because you brought us a long way. But Lord, would you bring us evermore, and let today be one of those days where, where there's a profound change in our hearts in every person in this house. Through you, change of our hearts, God. I don't want to just witness to people. I want to want to witness to people. I don't want to just want people to be saved. I want my heart to be broken that they're not saved. And to love them and to bring this Gospel to them. I don't want just to stop watching a bad TV show. I want to hate it like you hate it. To where I want nothing to do with it, God. And I pray, Lord, that for each of us, God, that you would work that in our lives. Lord, we confess our sin to you. We confess our need for you. That, Lord, we've tried and maybe failed in some of these areas. Lord, we confess that to You this morning. And we confess our great dependency upon the working of the Spirit of Almighty God within our hearts and lives. Only You can change our hearts. Thou and Thou alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. God, would You do that in our hearts and lives? Even today, would You do it in my heart and in my life? God, I want to be identified with my Savior. I want to bear Your approach outside the camp. Like your word talks about, where I'm lined up with Jesus—not in name only, but in my heart of hearts—I'm lined up with Jesus all the way. God, would you help us, Lord? Your name we pray, Lord. You just call upon the Lord, meet with Him, Jesus. Let Him touch your heart,
1: Jesus.